So, good evening. I've been busy all day writing, so I'm thinking about you, <laughs> writing something for you. <laughs> so, in, in, it's been good, it's been a lot of good time like that since I've been here, but it's easy for me just to come out and ask for questions. I know you might want me to talk on a particular topic, but... Um, we may get to that as, as, as time goes on. For now, I'd like to ask questions, and it's one of my favorite uh, forums. It's also a little test, see what you're thinking about, what you're preoccupied with, whether your questions are coming from reading the books or some somewhere else. <laughs> so, uh, what other questions tonight? Yes. I had a question about in, in aesthetic Vedanta you mentioned um, two kinds of meditation like static meditation about Radha and Krishna and um, dynamic swarasiti uh, could you say something more about it because <coughs> I kind of don't understand why meditation on mantra has to be static mm-hmm. uh-huh. so that's called mantra mai upasana and then Swarasike means uh, one is still, the other is moving. Hmm? So the, the mantra Vipassana or the still meditation is based on a mantra that describes a still scene hmm? in the Leela. If you take the Leela and it's like a, let's say it's like a motion picture, so it's made up of so many frames, hmm? right? And they go fast enough on the reel. I don't know how they do it today, but so that, so that you, it, it looks like a continuous picture rather than many, many individual pictures. Hmm? And so there are some nice verses, for example, um, that. Um, Dibyad Brindaranya Kalpadrumada, Srimadat Nagra Singhasana Stos, Srimadrada Srilabhudinda Devo, Prastadi Visevimano Smarami. Nice verses describing a picture, a still picture hmm, of the of the Leela. Hmm? And the idea, of course, is to fix your mind. So, in, you, in the beginning, that's a chore in itself, because the mind is naturally going in many different directions. Um, and um, so, to bring it in and fix it um, on, 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 on one subject, on Krishna, and on one aspect of Krishna, one leela, one picture in the film, an emotion picture of Krishna leela. Um, so, nice verses describe a particular scene, like Krishna and Balaram entering into the forest, Gopita Spigli and Gopigita, with their cow herds and so forth, and uh, these kind of beautiful descriptions. So the idea is you can take a verse like that and you can meditate on that and visualize what it's describing. Hmm? 
which is a still picture. And then when one becomes adept at that, then the picture can start to move. And it will turn into a motion picture. And the leelas will start to flow in the heart. And that is then swarasiki, so moving from the still to the motion picture. The, 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 the leela is like a river, sometimes it's described flowing, and then the mantramai is like a lake, a, a pause. Hmm? Empties into a spot, a spot, and instead of when it enters into the lake, then you don't see the ripples flowing through, it just seems still. Hmm? Right? Hmm? Um, that on the other side, the river is going, and, and so forth. So, this is an entry kind of. Um, and we, uh, I've talked about it in Gopal Tapani commentary also, um, in an interesting way, in in relation to the deity, which is a still picture. Here you have your picture of Dauji and Gopal on the altar. Mm-hmm. It's a still picture. Uh, we sing a song in the evening about their evening leela, or at Audari we have the we have the Bhaktivinoda's Arti song. For Gornitai, Gornitai standing on the bank of the Jamuna, other associates are described and so forth. So it's a, it's a it's a that also is like a still a moment a sh- picture hmm? of something that is invisible to the naked eye. The movement of the whole of the of the lila hmm? that it's a a part of, hmm? and so you participate in the artic and you, you visualize. The deity and the song corresponds with that to some extent. And through the kirtan and the visualization of the artik and so forth on the still picture, in time it turns into motion picture. So that's a way, if you will, in which to think about the artik from our point of view, from the Gaudiya point of view, from a ragabhakti uh, point of view that is so much centered on smarnam. Here is his archanam. Hmm? Limbs of bhakti that are most uh, central to Raghunuga bhakti are shravanam. What does that mean? Kirtanam and smarnam. Meditation, you know, remembering. And sometimes I say, and the other half is archanam. Archanam means the uh, the deity worship. I say half because deity worship is um, uh, it's difficult to get away from uh, reverence in deity worship. It's very central to the to the Vaidhi Mark. Hmm? And there's the worshipper and there's the worship and there's the items being worshipped and so forth. When that in Rag Bhakti, when that reaches its perfection, then we go from the kind of the realm of ritual to the spiritual reality proper. Artig is going on there. It's going on differently. This, the, the offering of the 16 items or 34 two items or 64 items of puja in the morning hmm? depends on your standard of seva, seva um, puja for the deity, 
Hmm? So many different items are offered. The mirror, the flute, the comb, the so on and so forth, the bath, the, the boga, incense, um, sandalwood paste, uh, mouthwash, toothbrush, all these things are offered. Um, so we do that. In, in, meanwhile, for example, in the Brajlila, uh, Radharani's vision of Haridas Varya Govardhan, the best of Krishna's servants as Govardhan, is explained by Jiva Goswami in, uh, in Gopal Champu and by the Das Goswami elsewhere as well. To be saying that Govardhan offers all the 64 items hmm, of Seva Puja to Krishna every day. So he's got the caves for the resting, for the offering the bed, and he, he, he gives facility for birds to come and sing, and so on and so forth. And it's a beautiful description of all this, how Govardhan is the embodiment of all the items. So that thing is going on, you see. That artik or that seva puja in the morning that we do in ritual, it's going on in the context of the lila also. Unrecognizable from the ordinary point of view. Hmm? means it's packed with worship and love and service, even when it takes a shape that it doesn't appear necessarily uh, to be uh, to be serving. Govardhan look might just look like a mountain just sitting there, but see the vision of of Radha and Jiva Goswami. Oh, he's offering all these items uh, and so forth. So, um, so we say for three and a half because we do. The Archon has been stressed by our um, in our parampara, not only the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, coming from Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta and Bhakti Vedanta Swami, Prabhupada, who established temples everywhere and big temples and so forth. When Bhakti Siddhanta began, his idea of starting a big marble temple in Calcutta, then his brother, Leep Prasad, said, oh, he's left the Rag Marg, making big temples and so forth, because the Rag Marg is not about big opulent temples and and, and and so on. Of course, he wanted to go and establish what the Rag Marg is by preaching about what it's not and attract people and and so on and so forth. Um, and of course, the Goswamis had big temples before him, you know, in their time. Big, huge temple, like Radha Govinda Temple. It's like huge. And Radha Ramon Temple and so on and so forth. Um, they got the patronage of the kings and queens and and so forth to build those temples. And they established worship and instructed their disciples how to worship and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so it has its place, Archon. But at the same time, we kind of look at it, try to look at it a little bit differently. We don't try to act, we don't act with the deity in intimacy and, and so on and so forth. So we have an idea of where this is going that is that, that constitutes the merging, if you will, in a dynamic sense of the of the worshipped and the worshipper and the collapsing of the worship that keeps them apart hmm, through a union of of love wherein we fully identify um, with the deity and the Arctic turns into hmm, uh, like I say Lila Lila, Lila Seva. Hmm? So we have that Vrindavan Bhakti 
Raga Bhakti objective in mind. We accompany the artiks with kirtan, and so it's not a it's not part of offering the artik, but we do because kirtan is kali yuga mahap the means for kali yuga what Mahaprabhu was given, and so on and so forth. Um, and then the particular deities that we have, and and also it's slightly uh, adjusted. So I want to say like it's a half of the three and a half important um, limbs for for us in Rag Bhakti. And this is one of the ways to to think about the, the coming for the for the Arctic. The Arctics are according to the different times of the day of Krishna's leela. Hmm? I mean, uh, Prabhupada had a, a different standard. He had, he had, how many, seven artiques in a day or something like that. Um, seven or eight correspond with different times of the day. Hmm. There was a Mongol artique, and there was one at seven o'clock in the morning, one at noon, one at, at four, and one at, I think we said one at six, one at eight, and, and so forth. He tried to do according to the different times of the the way in which the Leela is divided into eight sections. Hmm? So it means that you make the corresponding meditation. You are thinking of yourself in terms of being eternal servant in the Braj, and this is what's happening there now, and you come to the Arctic, and those thoughts are on your mind, like we sing the Gaur Leela, Astakal meditation, Smarnam in the morning. Hmm? And you think about that, and when it comes six o'clock, you think, Pradoshe Sri Vasa Mandire Pradeshe Adhika Vasa Hui. Or you six six o'clock, you think, Deva Mandanari. Mahaprabhu is worshipping the deity, so I worship, and we'll get to cook a little something, and finish now. Off we go from the house to join Mahaprabhu in the Kirtan at, uh, at Sri Vasangam. Hmm? This kind of thing. Of course, now it's it's hard to c- totally connect it because Archana is the way it is. Hmm? But rough and an analogous, uh, somewhat analogous, where we try to make the connection and have songs accordingly, and so on and so forth. So, at any rate, uh, I've talked about it there in Gopal Tapani uh, commentary. You can read it. Uh, the, that idea of kind of tying that with Arctic. But again, it's a it's a it's a still moment. It's like Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Arctic song is talking about a moment, if you will. And there he is, Gore, standing on the banks of the Jamuna, and he's describing him beautifully. And so you enter into that meditation, and then we, we don't try to artificially enter into a spontaneous kind of flowing meditation of the Leela. That will come naturally. Hmm? So we do our smarnam. Hmm? We're not just busy all day long. Just, just busy, busy, busy. We're thinking about what we're doing, where we are, and what what time it is for the deity, and uh, whose cows they are, and so on and so forth, <laughs> who we're growing for, and this is how we're supposed to be um, living here hmm? in another dimension altogether. So, mantra maya is something like that. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like a still picture or the motion picture. And if you look at it long enough, it starts to move. Hmm. Yes? Servant, yeah. And he says you should learn how to see the deity properly, and I don't feel like I completely understand how to do that. Well, yeah, to see the deity property property is more or less the idea of that I'm going to be seen by the deity. Hmm? Not that I will see the deity, but I'll be seen by the deity. He's the center, and I'm somehow been called here, and I thought I, you know arranged this, but he's arranged for me to come here, and and it appeared in me as a de- as my desire, and I got the money, and so on and so forth, but he's arranged it, so here I am, and he wants to see me, that's very, I'm very lucky, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and so, you know, let me serve the devotees, and so forth, but that's the general idea, and then we think that, that anybody who comes here, we think, hmm. How do you Paul's brought this guy here for something? What is his past? We don't know. Hmm. It might be even like some demon who enters into the Braj Leela. <laughs> it happens. Well, so I guess he's got something in his background that he's taking it out on, on us and Krishna. Better to be angry at Krishna than anybody else. Hmm. That's the teaching of Nard and the Bhagavatam. Because at least you're thinking about Krishna. Hmm. There's good to that, and whatever's bad for that, that will come and go. But hmm. so anyway, we think like that. Um, but yeah, it is more difficult hmm, than uh, this is very conducive here. That's why, they, even though all my students can't live here, I'm always encouraging them to come as often as possible. Um, and um, we're not fortunate to have temples in every town and village that they can all gather around and uh, it's a little easier if you have one in your town hmm? like you know where you're at in your hometown in the temple and I think that uh, you, know, you can uh, more readily develop that kind of um, sensibility and traction and and um, so forth um, and for that reason um, it uh, is uh, been for a long time of practice of householders to have deity in their home, but that's not so so easy. We find a lot of householders have a lot of other things to do, and they can't give the kind of attention that's required. Hmm. Um, so, uh, I I think that you have to look at your life and. Um, Take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves to get um, closer, and um, you can take a picture of the deities, and keep them, 
in your home, and you can, in your own way or in simple way, according to scripture, you can make offerings and so forth in your house, and and that that would be highly recommended hmm? um, to create some semblance of that in your house in a way that would not become a a um, a situation that lends itself to um, making offense because you invited Krishna there and then you had no time to serve him because you were busy with other things. And so by having a picture of the of the deity of one of our um, ashrams, for example, and uh, every morning you make some offering or evening or and you learn a little bit about that. It's very important, very good. Uh, while you're here, then you can get as involved as you can um, with cooking, and you can you can learn to do things. You can learn to do artiks. You can come and perform the artik here, and so forth. You kind of got to jump in and get what you know. Take take advantage of what opportunities there are, and then create them to some extent. Um, but we're not uh, limited by that, and that uh, Harinam is, as I say, it's three and a half, so that's only the half. Hearing, chanting, remembering, these things um, all uh, draw our attention to Krishna and, and give us attraction and so forth. Um, but yeah, the deity worship is very powerful and very... And for for beginners, it's very very attractive and very very helpful. Mm. So you're at a disadvantage mm. in one sense, but bhakti is hoytiki, so it means it's not um, um, well. There's no one way to translate that is there's nothing that get in, can get in the way of it. Hoytiki apatihata. In any circumstance, um, you are at the same time not at a disadvantage. Hmm? It's all a matter of your sincerity and applying yourself, and you can do that in any situation, in, in any place. Hmm? Does that help? What else? question that we posed to some yoga teachers in Finland in, for an article in our magazine, but I'd be interested in hearing my thoughts about it. Oftentimes, in the yoga world, you hear teachers say that we should listen to our inner voice. And uh, the inner voice, in my experience, often doesn't have a lot of valuable things to say. It's more like chatter and various impulses. And so it's kind of a mystery for me what the genuine inner voice would be and how it could be distinguished from the chatter of the mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the, uh, the idea is good, um, but it may readily be uh, abused or misunderstood. Um, I knew a guy said that you know he 
he felt that what the right, right thing to do was to listen to his body. Hmm. It's another example of that. And his body said to take it easy, and we had things to do, <laughs> and so forth. And he felt that it was artificial to be, you know, following the schedule, but we should just really kind of like listen to our bodies and our minds and and do what they say. That's the natural way, and that would be um, the spiritual way, and so forth. Um, that's what animals do. Hmm. They do whatever their their senses or minds tell them to do. They don't. They they're very driven by that um, embodiment. Hmm. Humans can be rational and they can say, "I feel like this," or "My body wants to do this, but it's not good for me," and so forth. So that's why we're called the rational animals. We're supposed to apply that you know, spirituality side, that rationality, so that we're not. So that we're different than animals, uh, it's not just following impulses and so, and so forth. So we do that as human beings, and that de- is demarks us from the less complex species of life. Hmm? So to take that idea to the extreme, um, it's, it's interesting because sometimes the tamaguna looks like the sattvaguna. It's like you can look at monkeys and they're just eating fruits and swinging from the trees, naked, and yeah, they're detached, and so forth. But they're completely in the, in the, you know, in the Tamaguna. We could find a sage living in the forest, eating only fruits, and um, hardly clothed, and, and so forth. But they would be in a very different uh, um, disposition, mm-hmm. consciousness. So... Um, yeah, we, uh, as I say, just to be human beings, we invoke our intelligence and we don't just listen to whatever our mind says or whatever our body says. And So that's taking that to the extreme and showing the absurdity of that and how it can be abused. And it sounds might sound cool and spiritual and, and so forth, but really it's nothing more than, than what the animals are doing. Um, then, um, of course, the... the, the the idea was to listen to your your inner voice here, not just to your body or, or just your mind, but your inner voice. And um, and there's some there's some there's some place for that. Um, and we have a conscience, hmm? and um, it's it's a small kind of a representation of the of the paramatma. Hmm? In a sense, um, but um, the however fruitful that will be spiritually depends on a lot of other factors, hmm? and um, I think that a, that a spiritual education and basic knowledge about what spiritual life constitutes what the difference between self and matter is, what consciousness is, as opposed to matter, what, what I am in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, um, according to the great teachings of even diverse spiritual paths of mystics, while there are differences, so where there's a lot of crossover and common ground and 
And I like to say that the kind of the, the bottom line there is that if the path is ego-effacing in its nature, then it has some credibility. Hmm? It may stop there, and bhakti goes on to there and develops the spiritual ego and so on and so forth, but it has that in common. Hmm? Um, so those paths that um, are genuinely ego-effacing, and then they will speak about that. Hmm? And and you find that, that that that's where they have the common ground, and 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 uh, and they, in the context of that, they look at the world in a certain way, hmm, as to its temporary nature and and uh, what is the nature of attachment and so on and so forth. So, this is a current that runs through all uh, spiritual, experiential, ego-effacing paths. So that kind of basic knowledge um, is is very much uh, required hmm? and where are we going to get that from we're going to get that from a teacher hmm? and and so then you have a teacher that means that you you know that somebody knows how to do this better than I do and I'm learning from him so we were hearing in the morning the other day Shidomar talking about that very principle that, that what will you do in the absence of your teacher if you want to do what what you think is the right teaching, then you have to listen to your inner voice, hmm? but so to speak. But you're listening to your inner voice in the context of kind of some idea of what to listen for and what not to listen to, hmm? and what's what's the inner voice and what's the you know the kind of the outer voice, even though it's not a spoken one. Hmm? It's the mind, or it's coming from my heart, my desires to satisfy myself. And so you're able to make some, uh, um, to be in a, in a voice of enjoyment rather than of sacrifice. Make some discrimination if you have that knowledge and actually get to, if you will, the inner voice. But without that knowledge, how will you um, uh, discriminate? So some basic knowledge as to what is uh, spiritual and what is material is required. We can just make it up as we go along. Hmm? And um, so, with that, then I think you know there's some some scope for that idea. Indeed, um, we, we're left to our own device in one sense. In our, as Shridharmesh was saying, this, was it this morning or the other morning? Our sincerity is is required, and the student kept asking, like, well more or less saying, well, what if you don't have sincerity? You know, he's kind of like what he was saying. And devotee means sincere. Satam is another name for devotee. It means honest, truthful. So you know, all I can say is, all you can say, as much as you are, is as much as you're going to get the truth. So, well, I guess that, but if I'm not sincere, I won't get the truth. Well, you know, that's true. <laughs> you sorted that out. So do you want to do that? No. So then you should be sincere about it. And so sincere inquiry um, as to how to proceed in life in a way that will be spiritually fruitful hmm, uh, does involve introspection and um, listening for an, an inner voice, I guess you could say. What do they say, inner voice or a, is it a higher voice or something like that? Hmm? Inner voice, listen, inner voice. The inner voice. Then there. Then we also say that there are ways to check and evaluate 
the extent to which I'm able to hear an inner voice that's really inner. Hmm? And that would be, again, it corresponds with what I've been taught, what the, what, the, what, the, what, the, what the ideal is. I know something about what the practices are, something about what the goal is. Hmm? And uh, I'm involved in that, and now I need to detail how I might proceed in this instance. And I draw upon all of that um, knowledge as well in order to listen to the inner voice, if you will, to get to the inner voice. You've got to get on the channel. Hmm? of the inner voice. So it's on that channel that all that other um, uh, wisdom that comes from the voice, let's say, of the guru. Sometimes we look at the guru as being that person who amplifies the inner voice, if you will, in a way that it speaks loud enough to, to drown out the mind and the, and the voice of the senses drawing me here or there. Hmm? I was not capable of listening to the inner voice in such a way that I could ascertain um, my uh, ideal. And there are many thoughts. And so, so the guru comes outside and speaks loudly. This is this is the mind. This is this, this is the world. The call of the world. This is the course that we need to take, and so on and so forth. So, so that um, you want to get on that channel, so to speak, in the absence of external. Um, counsel, if you will. It's not really external counsel, but it's external, I mean, from the guru directly, comparatively, hmm, to getting counsel in his her absence, going within. But again, it's, uh, it's on the same channel, so there's some context. Hmm. Um, it's not going to appear on one of the other channels, so you're going to get something else. And there's a few channels going on there, so you want to tune into the, to the, to the inner voice. Then you, you want to reflect. In the, you're reflecting on what, 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 what I've seen done by the saints um, in my tradition, in given instances that might correspond with my situation, what I've read and heard from them. Hmm. what example has been set, and so forth. And then, so I have some criterion, hmm. and then I look for a voice that, and that voice will will sound similar, and it won't contradict those things. Hmm. It will confirm those things, and, um, and so forth. So there is a, uh, I would say, a, a, a prominent place um, for that. Hmm. That's much um, required to take what I've heard and apply it in any given instance. Hmm. Means you have to, you know, you have to apply your own kind of plane, so to speak. You can give someone the keys and directions and take them on a practice run and so on and so forth. At some point, you give them the keys and bail out and they've got to land the plane. <laughs> So to speak. So, so there's a there's a place for that, you know, for for introspection, hmm? but it's 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 kind of guided already by advice that's come. Just like people would say to me sometimes, I don't need a book. Uh, the truth's not in the book, and I would say, well, you know, truth is beyond the book. That's true, but you know, you get to the part that's beyond the book after you get the part that's in the book. Hmm? It came from from beyond itself, 
and it manifests as a book, which is limited and does not contain all of it, but it's a lot of it. <laughs> it that's what it's where it's come from. Hmm? So take that uh, installment and uh, learn it well. So I think that we can really listen to our inner voice successfully, if you will, and spiritually in a spiritually vital way, as much as we've listened to a to a so-called external voice that really does embody a spiritual ideal and. Um, and under whose uh, guidance I've I've placed myself, and, and and this is hard to get around. It's not maybe the most popular idea to have a uh, a guru. I was I was writing something today, and and um, and I was writing about um, um, well, I was writing about. Spiritual practice and um, and mysticism as a I call it sub- subjective objective subjectivity hmm? uh, because the internal pursuit is the pursuit of the subjective hmm? consciousness and. Hmm? Uh, that world, hmm? but the pursuit is full of objectivity in that in order to pursue it, one has to be very, have a very objective view and uh, persona hmm? with regard to the objective world. Hmm? You follow me? In other words, we, we detachment from the objective world from, from things and so on and so forth that uh, gives me ability to see them in a different light than if I'm attached to them. Hmm? And if I, only if I see the objective world in the proper light am I in a position to pursue the subjective world. Indeed, seeing the objective world in the wrong light leads me to believe there is nothing to the subjective world. It's, it's, it's lesser. When indeed, it's far more substantial. Hmm? It's, 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 uh, you know, I'm consciousness, I'm not matter, and, and, uh, it's because of that that I matter. Hmm? Weren't for that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't matter. So that says that consciousness is, um, substantial, hmm? and it's, and it's unto itself, but they, they, with, uh, without consciousness, there's no consciousness. <laughs> and you say these things every now and then. They're hard to grasp. But so at any rate, I was thinking about that, writing about that, and 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 how the mystic, um, the genuine mystic, is a very objective person. Hmm? Like we like to think of science as being objective. That is the the idea behind it. It's fully objective and uh, of course the the problem is that science is fully objective but scientists are not. Hmm? Citizens of the world even if they wear white coats hmm, if you will are still that. Citizens of the world. They're humans. Hmm? So Humans 
are not objective. They can't be fully objective. That the human condition does not allow it. Hmm? We can try to be as much as possible, but it, 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 that's the very that's this is a very basic point, of course, to Vedanta and spiritual practice, and it's not something that that any materialistic person can can deny either. Hmm? Years and years ago, there was the famous book of Thomas Kuhn, you may be familiar with, The Structure of the Scientific Revolution. Hmm? And uh, he speaks about how, basically, well, like I say, science is objective, but but scientists lack objectivity because they're human. Hmm? So, you know, they can do science and then they can find out that they're going to get a better pay over here if they just tweak the data a little bit and make it sound like this and they got a family to feed and they love the kids and, you know, there goes <laughs> the objectivity somewhat goes out, out the door, hmm? just to give a crude uh, example. So he, he wrote about that and about how people are, scientists become invested in a, in a particular paradigm of the time and it causes them to dis, you know to dismiss evidence that goes against that paradigm because it's a problem <laughs> we got a lot invested in this particular paradigm and things are working pretty good hmm? and so let's just leave it at that and evidence that goes against it it's probably not very substantial anyway and 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 so forth so when actually sometimes that evidence is quite substantial and the paradigm needs to change and so people and paradigms are resistant to change. Hmm? Um, was it Max Planck that I quoted the other day that said paradigms only change when the people that uh, was it what, that, that that are invested in them die off? Hmm? And the other side of it is that new paradigms usually only come into place when those who have started them have been crucified <laughs> and they're 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 dead and gone as well. Hmm? Um, it was who was it who said? Was it Heisenberg who said something? That first, first the new ideas are ridiculed, and then they're what militated against, hmm? and then they're accepted as if they were axiomatic truths always, and we always believed in them. We, we, we always accepted them. Hmm? But to get to that last point. <laughs> Usually, the one who had the idea has already been crucified, and uh, so people uh, are, are, are resistant. People and paradigms are resistant to change. Is the point? So, um, when you speak about spiritual practitioners, the mystics, hmm, that's where you go to a an, an, another worldly citizen, not a world citizen. He or she is no longer a world citizen. Prophet sometimes referred to sannyas as, what do you call it? Social suicide. Hmm? You've ended your social life. Oops. Hmm? You just ended your social life. You're no longer available for family, friends, kids, grandkids, and so on and so forth. You're not of this world. Hmm? Um, so where you find the objective person hmm, 
is beyond humanity, and that's what mysticism is about, is to transcend humanity. You say, well, that's, you know, he looks pretty human to me, but, but to tra- if, you, if, you, if you were to invoke on a very, uh, just on a, on a ground level, hmm, the famous poem of Kipling, If, hmm, a boy becomes a man in, in, in Kipling's poem, If, you should read it. It's, it's really right out of the, the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads in the sense that it speaks about the e- equilibrium or the equ- equanimity, the balance hmm, that is inhuman. Hmm? It, it, truly without, without bias, without prejudice, without attachment. Hmm? So uh, whether the person can walk on water, hmm, create universes, have, throw fire from his hands, and so on and so forth. Um, this is magic. This is the real magic. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it, if, you, if you read the Kipling's poem, for him, if it's just, it might be possible. It's just, no, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really speaking about, it really speaks to the self. It speaks about what you are, mm-hmm. really. What you feel you could be in your best moments of your highest ideal, and there it is, yes. But it's impossible. Hmm? It seems impossible. But mystic practice or spiritual practice, sadhana, this is, that's what it's for. Hmm? It's aimed at that. There is no other discipline in the world that's aimed at that to one extent or another that is called upon, we're asked to you know, be honest and Make sacrifice and but uh, and uh, you know do the right thing and whenever anybody does it's news you know somebody a taxi cab driver in Las Vegas the other day <laughs> found three hundred thousand dollars in a paper bag in the back of his cab when he you know drove into the to the station that the previous um, customer had left cash three hundred thousand dollars and so he turned it in Hmm? he turned it in and what he got for it was a thousand dollar check from the cab company for being the cabbie of the you know year or something like that and giving their cab company an honest reputation and uh, and he got on the news uh, and everything and then the guy's came back looking for his brown bag of $300,000 that he just won in a poker game. Hmm? And they returned him the $300,000. Um, so it, it's, it's news. The guy you know, got recognition and this is a glorious thing and, and so forth because he, was, you know, he made a sacrifice. He was, he was honest and he was detached and, and in a certain circumstance like this. This is glorified. This is, this is obviously the ideal for human society. Hmm? What the Bhagavad Gita is speaking about is what everybody is supposed to be like. And the society readily admits that. This is, this is just a small example of it. Hmm? The celebrations for the passing of Nelson Mandela and his... Hmm? Basically, you know, he was, against, he was discriminated against and he was against discrimination, which is a, a bias. Hmm? Right? Rather than an objective, detached, unbiased, fair, nonpartisan, 
So this is all what the Gita is talking about. It's saying that's what you are, really. And you're identified with matter in such a way that, that your, your position is compromised. You're not able to exhibit your full self, and it's a shadow of what you are, and it's, it's not that pretty. And whenever we see some little semblance of it, eh, give them a garland, give them a check, put them on the news. This is all speaking to us. If you, if you understand it properly, this is just like I can see the cab story and think, yes, where's that verse in the Gita? You know, if you find money in the back of the cab, give it to the owner. You know, it's like that. Uh, so these are like self-evident truths, if you will. And, and and here, while the world promotes this, it's desirable. And they have ways of talking about it and pushing us in the direction. Nothing is designed as as um, expertly and as in such a focused sense as what the basic um, spiritual practice is. The sadhana is in an ego-effacing discipline, spiritual discipline, because ego-effacing is what the whole thing's about. Hmm? Facing the conventional ego, which is a biased ego, an identity, hmm? and coming to the real, real self. So, um, anyway, I was uh, writing about that, and and the way I started talking about this is because I was saying that we should have guidance and that's not always the most popular thing and people use that listen to your inner voice as an excuse not to have guidance what I've been saying is well in order to listen to your voice inner voice you've got to get some inner knowledge uh, from someone who's who's been within hmm? and, and 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 come without and speak about it to us hmm? um and that's where the very idea of listening to the inner voice will, 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 will come from. So, but it's not that popular. And so I was writing about what I was speaking about, and I had a quote, found a quote from a famous um, naturalist, a materialist, named Sam Harris. You may have heard of him. And he, he, was, he, he said he was speaking about meditation, and he was saying, because he has some affinity for that, He's got a little bit of Guru Bhav, quite a bit, actually. And uh, previous to his becoming famous as an atheist, um, um, he dabbled in Buddhism, went to India, spent some time in some ashrams, and there's a little samskar for that, so he can't quite get away from it. Hmm? He had some belief in its validity and power and, and, um, and so forth. But then, you know, the other side, he, I think he works in or studied in neuro, 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 neuroscience research or something like that. Anyway, he's he's a professed um, naturalist, materialist, atheist. He doesn't like to put a label on it, but um, he had said that 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 there's a lot of uh, uh, people in the atheistic community that don't basically saying they don't understand meditation and what people do, the mystics do when they meditate and they dismiss it at their own peril in terms of being a rational, uh, thoughtful and objective person. Hmm? Because it's not just something you can just uh, just dismiss. 
It's a profound experience of consciousness that the average person doesn't have. And it involves concentrating the mind in a way that people can't do for, you know, ten seconds. Hmm? For hours and hours and hours and hours. Hmm? Um, and, and so these are extraordinary people. They're just people. He'll go on and qualify. They're just people. They're just human beings. But they're accessing an aspect of their humanity that most people don't access. And it's a pretty nice one, it seems. Hmm? It makes them feel peaceful and good. It gives rise to feelings of compassion and so forth and, and so on. Of course, he says, we, we don't believe in the, the things that they say that they're experiencing. They say they're experiencing consciousness and, and it survives death and it's different from matter and, or God and they pack all this metaphysical stuff around it. And, you know, we, we don't believe in what they say they're experiencing, but we believe that they, what they're experiencing is something profound. It's natural. It's just part of an aspect of humanity that most humans haven't tapped into. Hmm? It's worth tapping into. This is what he says. Hmm? And now he's he, he now I found it today on his blog. He's teaching. There he is, a secular form of meditation. He had a couple of I just happened to find it today. Uh, looking up a reference because I had written. It's a reference of his down a long time ago, so I was looking to footnote it, and I went to his blog to see where the article was, and there was a on the front article was this very he had these two sound blurbs that you you know what do you call them you know MP3s or something you you, you press on it and and he, and so he's given a guided secular meditation, a nine minute one and a twenty six minute one. He's the guru there, the secular he may be the first secular. Um, um, meditative guru, but he's not the first secular mystic. That person hasn't appeared yet, hmm? who has all the experiences of the rumis and uh, the, uh, the rupas and sanatans, chaitanyas and uh, Christ and so forth. <laughs> so it's one thing to talk about secular mysticism, and let's just we just meditate, we just focus on that's all we do, we just and, and we get and it's not what we what other people say it is, it's what we say it is, and so forth. But how much are you experiencing it? Do you feel a little peaceful? Do you feel a little relaxed? Or um, when you, when you, when you experience what what the people who are the known mystics that stand out like luminaries in in, in human history. Have shaped it, changed it, and like Jesus, Chaitanya, you know, um, let's say go to a different tradition, Rumi, the Buddha. Hmm? When we, when Sam becomes a Buddha, we'll see what he says. <laughs> see if he reports his experience. You know, if he keeps saying it's just natural. It's not. It doesn't mean you survive death or anything like that. It's just an aspect of our natural human life. But it's it's pretty interesting. Um, uh, so we're waiting for someone to be really an adept, a secular adept, if you will. Hmm? That hasn't happened. But many people with, with, and this is one of my arguments in another article, with religious orientation, spiritual orientation, that has not gotten in the way of their having the meditative experience that Sam himself says is worth having, hmm? and having it in a way that Sam hasn't had it yet, although Sam's teaching about how to have it. Hmm? 
the ones that are sitting for, you know, apparently he met some guy at some point who lived in a cave for 30 years or something like that. Hmm? You know, a person who, 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 who having gone within, hmm, feels just how big the self is and is humbled by it. Hmm? And while he has nothing, has no, no need for the world, hmm, cares immensely about it. For the real, for, in terms of what's really happening with it. Hmm? The plight of other jivas, other souls. Hmm? What is, how extreme it is. Hmm? He's experiencing what the self is like and he thinks, oh my God, what they're missing out on. It's just overwhelming. The possibilities that they have, as, given what they are and what I'm experiencing, we are as consciousness. So he swells up with compassion for people. This is superhuman. This is not human. Hmm? So, at any rate, the point, I'm making a long story, and it's interesting, no doubt, but to, to make a point, because I had said they don't want to listen to the guru, they want to listen to the inner voice. Hmm? That's not so popular. I'm saying we need a guru, we need a guide. Hmm? For home-going, we need a home-knowing person. Hmm? We don't need, we should want, we should, just like in anything. If you can get, you know, if, if you want to become a musician, I mean, you could get trained by, by a professional. I mean, wouldn't that be better than trying to figure it out yourself? Hmm? Um, would you not be at an, a great advantage and so forth? Um, so, there's some resistance to this idea of the guide, but it's very difficult to get around and we don't live our practical lives like that we do look for guidance and some people more than others of course i'm always ready to ask the question rather than figure it out myself but <laughs> but um but when sam's i listened to the 9 minute one as much as i could it wasn't much but you know sit settle into your chair feel the chair Feel your back leaning against the chair. Relax. Get grounded in the in the chair. Feel your body. Listen to your breath. Pay attention to your breath. And, and so you know this kind of thing. He's guiding him through like that. And then there's a pauses. And then it just more or less goes like that through the, through the whole thing. And then I notice that there are comments as a way to put comments on the. It comes on the screen like this, you know, uh, it's up and down sound, and there's where comments attached to it. So you click on the and some guy's comment comes out. This is what I was thinking about when I started this um, this tangent here. Um, and one of the comments was, "I really like the part, you know, where you stop talking. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you know the." <laughs> That part where you know the part where you're just like it's it's up to us now. We don't need you anymore, you know, Sam. You know, he wasn't saying it in a disrespectful way, but basically, that's what he was saying. You know, we do it ourselves, okay? We we don't need any 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 help here from any, any anybody else. But no, we 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 think quite differently, especially in the bhakti school. Hmm? We need help. We need all the help we can get. We are de- we're dependent entities. That's a fact, and to acknowledge that is to become strong, hmm? not to ignore it. And um, 
Krishna says, Mama Madhurapyaya, Mamevi Prabhupadinte, Maya Mitramtarantite. You'll never get out of my Maya. It's my Maya. You'll never get out unless I let you out. Hmm? So I'm holding the key here, and nobody gets out without without me. That's what he says in the Gita. So we accept it and 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 why try to be big hmm? and beautiful and when there's somebody so big and beautiful as Krishna. This is the idea. And if you hear about Krishna, hmm, then you start to think, if you can't beat him, then you should join him. Hmm? He's so attractive and he can do it all and he's affectionate and so why, why should I struggle myself? Hmm? And so many thoughts, what should I do with it? It's chant Hare Krishna, it's much easier. Come to Arti. Hmm? Hmm? And what's next after the Arctic? I have to take prasadam. What else will I do for Krishna? What's next, 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 next? Every moment like this. Connect every moment. Then you can come to Nishta. Then you can get Ruchi. Hmm? Hmm. No time in between. And so to bring Krishna to the picture, then you feel comfortable being small. Hmm? There's someone so big, hmm? then he's so affectionate. And in fact, we are so small. Hmm? And we can get so close to him also that he starts to seem small and close to us and intimacy. This is possible as we know. So, this is the bhakti path and um, and it's very much um, uh, laden with this idea of, of guidance from beginning to end and there is no end. Hmm? So the guru really, principle really is eternal hmm? in that that in in Leela Seva also, that that uh, relationship with the with the guides will be will continue. Hmm? Indeed, it, as as you go forward, it becomes more important. The idea of the guru doesn't become less important; it becomes more important. Hmm? So, so if we want to listen to the inner voice, you know, we've got to know what it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of voices going on there, the voices of the body and the, the, the different senses and uh, and the mind's demands and so forth. The, the voices of the world that we've heard, listened to, and that you can hardly get away from practically unless you come to Madhavan, hmm? hide out here in the jungle with Daoji Gopal. <laughs> the world's speaking, speaking very loudly about how you should be, how you should think, and lots of different options and uh, and, uh, and so forth. And all the options are supposed to make life better for you, more choices, but they just make it more more difficult to proceed. So many options. What will I do? How can I... Just to buy any one thing. Got, there's, there's so many different ways and prices and nuanced um, examples of the same product that does basically the same thing. It's just a huge headache just to buy anything. Hmm? You don't want to get you want to get the best price, and there's so many different prices, and then so many other way. Why one costs less and more? And it's just like, oh God, just give me a broom, you know, <laughs> sweep all this out of my heart. You know, so I need to simplify a bit hmm, to hear the inner voice. We need an, env- an environment that's conducive to listening. And when we say inner voice, we mean the voice of the Cheta Guru. God is there in the heart. As Sridhar said this morning, well, how did you get, how did you find your guru? Oh, I listened in my heart. 
Mm-hmm. And I followed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it worked. Mm-hmm. To some extent, partially, that may depend on our sukriti. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sincere in this, we accept, but then we may be, as I gave the example the other morning, driving different cars, so our sukriti will enable us to get this far, and then we get more sukriti, we can go further, get more guidance, more help. Mm-hmm. But we do that by exercising our sincerity. Mm-hmm. And searching out the, the inner voice, if you will. We, we search out the Chaitya Guru within and we get some confirmation outside. Then we suddenly see, oh, there, there, is, there it is. It's really, there's good guidance here. We might not have recognized it previously, but we have, we have to exercise our sincerity and look within and uh, be introspective, so isn't it? Hmm. have to go through that. That's what it means to listen to the inner voice. That help? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. What else? What time is it? Okay, we'll stop there. Inner voice, Kijai. Sauji Gopal, Kijai. Or Bhaktivinoda, Kijai. Or Premanam.